What's up, Daw Nation? Welcome to another week of In The Daw. And in this week's episode, we are with AU5, and he's gonna be breaking down his song that he did with Nitrix called Always In A Nightmare. Now, this song is a sequel, okay? We've actually broken down the other sequel, which is Only In A Dream. We did that about a year ago, so you should totally go check out that episode as well. But what are you gonna learn in this week's episode? You're gonna be learning about using Zymnatic Morph as a vocoder? What? That's a thing? It's totally a thing. We're gonna talk about it. Second thing that we're gonna talk about is the importance of a flow state. Why is it important to be able to get into your DAW and just immediately tap into that flow state? And just go and just create as fast as possible. Why is that important? How can you do it? We're gonna talk about it. Third thing that we're gonna be talking about is resampling your own songs. What? Taking your own songs, repurposing them, making more stuff. It's the gift that keeps on giving. It's the only gift I want. But I never get it. Anyways, so we're gonna teach you how do you resample your old songs? How do you take things you already made and make something new out of them? We're gonna be talking about it. The fourth thing that we're gonna be talking about is how to make emotional bass music. All right, bass music has become so unemotional, so just head banging. There's no emotion tied towards it. Well, guess what? We're gonna talk about how to infuse that emotion back into it. And there's no one better than AU5. If you're new to the channel, if you're new to the Donation channel, welcome for the first time. This is a series where we interview huge music producers that come and dissect their songs in real time. It's beautiful. If you wanna keep learning from producers that are actually doing it, right? Not people that are trying to recreate what those producers are doing, but you get to learn from the producers themselves. Then go ahead, go hit the subscribe button, hit that little notification bell. We'd love to hear from you in the comments. Hit that like button, do whatever you need to. We'd love to hear from you. But Donation, with all that out of the way, there's one more thing that I need to tell you. AU5 and I just released a new course. It is called the Serum Masterclass. It is where AU5 and I go into Serum and we show you how to do every single little thing inside of there. Every knob, every menu, every everything inside of there is explained, all right? No stone is left unturned. You get to learn everything inside of Serum. And we also teach you our advanced techniques, things that took years to figure out, all right? So if you wanna truly master Serum, if you wanna learn everything inside of there, you wanna learn all the advanced techniques that AU5 has learned, that I've learned, right? And you wanna have it in a nice, beautiful little package. Well, guess what? You can head on over to dawnation.net and check it out over there. Also, there is a link down in the description as well, okay? So if you wanna check out the Serum Masterclass, again, go ahead and click the button below to check that out. But Donation, with all that said, with all that out of the way, let's go ahead and ask, oh, big, beautiful boy, Ben. Lots of hearts around my face right now. Come on, Ben, give them to me. Anyways, let's go ahead and ask Ben to take us in the DAW with AU5. <laughs> In the very beginning, it's just Nitric stems. So before I play this, originally this started out as just him sending me an acapella and me writing the song to the acapella, and very similar to how Only in a Dream started out. Once I, you know, developed most of it, the the drop and flesh out the, the whole song. Then I sent him some reference stems and then he rearranged them and then created his own stems and really just extended the verses out a little bit more and just made them really cinematic. I'm gonna play from the beginning and you're just gonna hear his contributions.
first of all, these vocals. I have quite a bit of processing going on on these vocals. Vocals without any processing. Very clean, very dry stem that he sent over with some stacks. I didn't really have to do anything to like fix up or clean up the vocals that much at all. Really this vocal chain, simple low cut filtering. I have a dynamic EQ for some mid-rangey peak stuff. I had a soothe going on, but it's a CPU killer. It's mainly just like doing more of what the dynamic EQ is doing, just taking out those low end resonances. How much do you know about soothe? Is you pretty knowledgeable of it? Yeah, I think I understand it completely. What do you do with soothe in, in this kind of instance? Do you just throw it on there and that's it? I mean, what do you specifically tweak on that? In this instance, I'm not really that concerned with like the sibilance frequencies, which is sort of what this was geared towards. I'm more concerned about like the mid frequencies that really peak out. So basically my approach to this is use this in a way where it is kind of like a multiband compressor, but specific to certain resonances in the mid-range and the reason why is because when I compress it afterwards and do some multiband saturation and more compression it preserves the air the top end breathiness when you can reduce specifically the mid-range harmonics and leave the top end harmonics it doesn't really sound that much different because it's a very transparent processing it's pretty subtle it's getting rid of these I just figured it, it wasn't really necessary. The amount that I'm cutting is is pretty subtle. It's mainly just to keep the compression and the multiband saturation and such just kind of steadier, like not not working so hard and not getting as much distortion or yeah, it just it just keeps everything really steady. I had soothe afterwards after I made this whole chain, and I figured that like right here was the most appropriate place to put it. That sounded good. It is a CPU hog, but I soothe too. Now they've I think they've cut their CPU hogage in half. They did, yeah. Yeah, I got that too. It's now full band. Yeah, it's awesome. I love it. I would totally have used Soothe too if they had it back then. Yeah, for sure. Oh yeah, so I made this song the first week that I moved into this house. So that was August. <laughs> yeah, this is actually the most ideal amount of time because it's like, it's not rushed. It's not forever to the point where it's like, okay, this doesn't sound fresh anymore. And it's enough for where I can like sit on it and really fine tune all the things like add soothe and, and stuff. <laughs> From only in a dream to always in a nightmare, has there been any developments in how you process your vocals as opposed to before then? Well, I didn't have soothe back then. That's one thing. It's interesting with vocals because every vocalist sounds different and each like even every every take sounds different there really isn't a go-to like vocal chain that i use for everything i build it from the ground up every single time and just i just use my ears and see like what's appropriate i'm sure that there are things that i am doing differently but i can't really recall anything off the bat because it's pretty much improvised every time i process a vocal it's like i just do it from the ground up and just do step by step all right it needs this it needs this and this and i'm basically just sculpting it and it's totally dependent on what it is that I get initially. You're basically the voice being an instrument, everyone having a different voice, you're basically manipulating and processing a different instrument every time you have a new vocal. It's the most dynamic instrument. I just wanna bypass everything and go through each thing and then demonstrate like what it's doing. So here's the vocal just totally dry. First thing, cutting out the low and, and under 100 multiband dynamics. Ping pong. Where do I go? New compressor for stability. 
This next thing, I don't think I'm actually using just yet. Nope. Oh. So yeah, this next thing, I am using a plugin called Morph. And so actually at the very top of my session, I have these chords. And the track isn't muted, I just have the volume to negative infinity, and I'll, I'll explain in a second. These chords are just following the chord progression. And what I'm doing is I'm using that track as a carrier signal if I am to... I'm creating like a vocoder-like effect, but I'm using Morph, and this is an amazing plugin. Basically, I'm going to solo this, and you can hear what it's doing. I have that in, that first track sidechain routed to the Morph plugin. And if I just solo this, check this out, it's like the cleanest vocoder ever. It's like no artifacts, no weird top end stuff. It's like super clean. The reason why I have that at the top is because I'm not just using it on vocals. Later in the session, I'll show you what else I am morphing with those chords. Oh, I, I know what's going on here. Keep going though. So yeah, there's morph going on, making the vocoder effect. It sounds like this. Very subtle. And then I have utility. Makeup gain. And then I have from the School of Bass course the multiband saturator. And this isn't actually doing anything just yet, but I have these automated for later. I have an OTT that's also being automated. It's just compressing everything. And then a little bit more multi dynamics. Some of that low stuff. It's low, like low mids are really tough to get right with vocals. It's like just a couple dB too much and the vocals sound like weird and muddy and bloated or like karaoke-esque effects and just a couple dB too little and it's just like sounds really hollow and dry. So it's like, it's really important to get your low end of the low mids of your vocals really steadied and just perfect. You almost have to like, like brick wall them, that like multi-band brick wall, that little area just to keep them tame sometimes with some, with certain, especially with the singer if they're very low in their chest, that's tough to tame. If, especially if they're really dynamic too, like if they're singing loud parts and then quiet parts, it's pretty much if you just if you can just like put a limiter on just the fundamental and like the first two harmonics, you should be good. And then the last thing I have automating on is a another harmonic exciter because when the drop hits, everything gets really loud and it's really fighting, and you want the vocals to really cut through. I'm using a couple more techniques to make them cut through. But all right, I'm gonna move on from vocals. These keys down here. This is just a layer of Omnisphere. Loading, loading. It's called Crush Tone Keys. It's just a, uh, it's just a preset. And then I'm also using Diva. And this one is called um, All Aboard by, I don't know, 3EE. And combined, it's just it's really cool. Like kind of synthy, kind of like natural sounding uh, keys. See, that's that part. Break, nitric stems. So if I solo the nitric stems, you'll hear what's going on. He's doing the vocal ambience and this synth. Unfortunately, I can't tell you what that is. It's a really nice sound though. 
And what I got going on up here is, if I mute these. I have these, um, these phaser chords. This is Gladiator, actually. And I'm using, yeah, I'm using the phaser effect. It's just two, uh, two saws with analog spirit mode. And uh, some low pass and some reverb. And this, this lead right here, this is just an operator, just a squ filtered square wave, going through some erosion, some delay, a hollow vintage verb, and then EQ. I just thought they combined really well. So melodically, was it that he just sent over the vocals and now you're just creating things melodically to help fit whatever the vocals are doing? So he sent over the vocal acapella and he had a totally different chord progression. I wanted it to be a chord progression that was a little more consonant sounding. His was very like a little more, I guess, orchestral. It, there was a lot of modal interchange and stuff going on. And I was like, I feel like if this was just simplified and more consonant and more like a pop chord progression, just a simple four chord thing, it would really push the track much further. And so I reharmonized chords to his vocal that I found be fitting, which were these chords, the da 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 da, and then once I get those chords down, then it's like everything else starts coming in. I'm just like, okay, here we are. The space is lit up. I know it's like I have a map now, compositionally speaking. This bass drone. This is just Harmer. I'm using crude low pass, and it's it's like 75% saw wave. Um, it's just a detuned saw, a little bit of square low pass and it kind of gives it that like really nice resonance around like the 400 hertz area yeah harmer is incredible this isn't too big of a, of a thing i am using cinematic percussive effects from symphobia orchestral essentials and then this little chime thing oh and also action strikes hits for this impact i love that one Mm, it's so thick. Then the next part, things get interesting. Moving forward, here's the chorus. So starting from the top, I got some cymatics, hi-hats coming in. Just fading in. Just get the rhythm going. Bring the energy up. A little little effects. I think these are. Yep, this is, these effects are from a pack called Motion Pulse. They're cinematic sound effect pack. It's not geared for like music production, but I mean, why not? <laughs> yeah. This little guy here. This is just a. What is this thing? Is it just a white noise riser? So I'm, I'm automating the pitch envelope. Um, here's something interesting. With Operator, you can't really just automate transpose and have it not be steppy per semitone. So something I discovered is if you set the pitch envelope to sustain and peak to the same value, you can just use the pitch envelope to smoothly go through and do pitch bends that way. So it's not steppy. And this is just some random FM stuff with some noise. I'm just making a simple riser, nothing too elaborate. Yes, this is where I add the harmonic exciter onto the vocals to just brighten it up, really make it present. So without... Amen. 
really hear it in these top two bands. It's actually pretty noisy, but it gives the illusion that they're they're brighter than they actually are spectrally, and it, it helps just cut through better. Moving down, we got some chords. Ah, yes. So I'm using just Gladiator for this. This is just one that I made. It's just initialized from two saws, and then it's basically the, the same pad as before, except I'm using the filter envelope to pluck it. I'm also using an arpeggiator with just the same MIDI. This is just a really easy way to just take chord pads and then to just make them pluck at eighth notes is just use arpeggiator with chord trigger. From what I'm understanding from doing all of the everything I've ever done with you is that you basically never have a system. It's just you always hear things or you know something needs to go there or you hear something in your head and then you try and do it. Is there ever a time when you actually do have a system where you're like, okay, in this instance, I know I need to do X and then Y and then Z. Is there ever any time like that? You're talking about like, like compositionally? Anything, like production, compositional, melodic, like anything. Because everything that I understand from you is it's always been like, I don't know, I feel like this needs to be here and I know how to achieve that thing. But like, you're always just kind of like listening and like, I feel like this should be here. I feel like I should do this. You know what I mean? That's a good question. And it's, it's interesting that you bring that up because like right now I'm totally in like analysis mode and it's not really thinking of like, what was what was my thought process with things? And it's, it's a really hard thing to try to explain. The reason why is because if I'm in the flow and just like making stuff the next day, I don't remember most of the things that triggered my impulse to do something like it's I don't know man it's it's really intuitive it's almost like I get into just like a I get into a flow state would you say yeah tunnel vision I lose track of time I'm not self-aware I just go and go and go until next thing I know it's sunrise or like I can't keep my eyes open like as far as all these decision making processes go for this song I knew that I had a rough idea because like I knew that I wanted to do something similar to only in a dream because it's a sequel to it of course that it was just a it was just a very general guide Line. Like I want atmospheric intro and then something that is like feels trancy and builds up and then, you know, just hit him, hit him with the crazy bass. But besides that, there, there really isn't any, I can't really tell you why I made the decisions that I made. It's just something that when I hear a really inspiring vocal and a really nice chord progression that works with it, it's just like a whole world opens up and I'm just like, it's like being in out in nature, like exploring the mountains. It's like, I'm not really thinking analytically of like, should I go here? Should I go here? What would be the best course of action? And it's just like, as long as there's nothing immediately threatening, I'm just going with the flow, dude. I'm just like, that sounds like a fun place to explore. Let's let's go check it out. Put it down. If it works, then just move forward and just keep doing it. Keep exploring. Why do you think it's like that? Do you think it's like that just because you've been in the DOS so freaking much? Like you've tried so many things, you know, like when something tickles your fancy, you know, hey, 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 there's something there. There's something there. I gotta, I gotta, I gotta do that. Is it like you just have so much experience, you know, when to listen to that kind of inner voice kind of thing? I would say so. A lot of it is... A lot of the stuff that I'm doing in the DAW is second nature at this point, just from repetition. I guess it's like kind of when we speak, our native language, it's like we're not thinking about the words that we say. Most of the time, we're not thinking about the words that we say right before we say them. We just kind of know the feeling of what we want to convey, what kind of, you know, the abstraction and the meaning of what we want to communicate. And then we just kind of just like starts, we just say one word and then from there, everything kind of just pieces to, pieces itself together. It's, it's kind of like that. And I would say someone who's learning like a foreign language, initially, it's like you have to think and you have to think about everything that you're 
saying and make sure that it translates. But eventually, when you get fluent with it, it's almost like all of that analytical processing just be- is just becomes encoded as like an algorithm in your brain, and it's you're not actually using conscious energy to to tap into that. It's just purely subconscious. Those synapses are or those neural pathways are very well tread, and those synapses are easily triggered and lubricated. And it's just like there's not a lot of resistance when it comes to that. It's like I know here's something, and I already have a feeling of like oh I want to reach for this plugin, and I'm already like seeing chord shapes in my head and like where the chords and the rhythms would be placed. It is a very intuitive process, I would say. What you're, what you're saying is not foreign to people who actually have like that are, that are bilingual, for example. So it's cool that you brought that up. So like when I was learning Spanish back when I was 19, I remember my Spanish teacher teaching me that, which was, you know, like if he said the word hola, what actually happened in my mind at that point was I take hola, I translate that into English, which means hello. And then and then I'd recognize that. And then at that point, it's like, okay, they're saying hello, right? But there's a, it was basically a two-step process. Eventually, after speaking Spanish for so long, instead of going to the English translation and then me understanding it, it bypassed the English translation and just go to me understanding it, right? And it's kind of, from what I understand is what, what you're saying here, instead of it going into a two-step process, it's, it's just going from you feel something, you immediately know how to apply it, boom, and you just keep moving like that. Is that correct? It's mostly like that, yeah. I mean, because we have so many different options and instruments to choose from, though, I mean, there there's a fluctuation. It's a rapid fluctuation between like certain things, like what kind of tool do I want to use for the job? Like, I know what kind of tools I can use, and I'm already gravitating towards, you know, my brain is already filtering out. It's like, you're going to use these, but it's like, which one of those? And then, you know, I'll pick one for whatever reason seems to be the most interesting, the most stimulating at the time. And then once I'm in that, and it's something that I'm familiar with, like, like serum, for instance, then it's like, I'll, I'll just go through the motions. It's like, it's mostly just like, all right, intuitive following my gut. And then there are opportunities where it's like, okay, Austin, let's, let's make an analytical decision real quick and then go back into the flow. But I, I would say all that entire process is part of the flow. It's just the left right brain communication. It's, it's like a dialogue. Just it's like me and you talking. It's like we can we can chime in whenever we want. And the, con- the conversation still continues. It's not like, oh, I didn't expect you to, to chime in. And now I'm like, I have no idea where we're going or what we're talking about or what we're doing. Why are we doing this kind of thing? It's like we're kind of acting as one mind at this point, one unit, even though we're two separate people have different ideas, bouncing things off. It's like the flow is still the flow still remains and it's not broken. And it's yeah, the the, the compositional process or just producing in, as a whole. It's kind of like that between the analytical and the intuitive sides of me. Just to add to that, I think one thing that from listening to you two talk about it is that it's also something that comes with time. Absolutely. Like you've been like, I can see in your racks and stuff that you have stuff that is labeled from things that you've already made. Like I'll make my own racks and stuff like that. And you, you have all your own racks and it's, it's just like you become so efficient at what you're doing that you can attribute a lot of that to being able to keep yourself in that state of flow. So like, I know exactly what you mean. You, you work on something and maybe the first little while you're just kind of getting into the, the thick of it. But once your mind is tuned in, you just do what you're feeling. And I think that's actually where some of the best music comes out of that's why i think the whole like bass design jam method is 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 so efficient for for most people because it is that it's you're not you're keeping yourself in the flow because you're exploring stuff or you're exploring stuff new things in in a sound design session and then yeah you save that you you have you have a better understanding of synthesis or the processing or whatever you created um and then that's just kind of a thing in your repertoire now like not just on your not just like your sample or or preset repertoire on your computer but it's like in your mind if you are to synthesize something that is create something 
do sound design again and stumble upon certain things that you discover that you discovered while you know fully focusing on just exploring sound design for a bass design jam you're just going to become much more efficient because you've already done it it's just learning your tools and it's not just learning the tool but it's learning how you interact with the tool the relationship that you have with the synths and the effects it's like that's why everyone's approach is a little bit different like what like what do you gravitate to when you're inside like say serum you're always gravitating toward basic shapes and fm and then you're using certain filters or whatnot and you just know because like that is what you like and that's where it works for i guess your particular sound so and for whatever like whatever that is like that could be for many reasons it could be you know that was one of the first things that you saw in a tutorial and so that's like your go-to thing it's like the easiest thing for your brain to just go to it's the most familiar thing or it could be like the interplay between your mind and the tool the tool is its own thing but you put that tool in front of other people and they're going to get different things out of it and they're going to consistently have you know they're with enough iterations of people doing that you're going to start seeing what people gravitate towards not just what they're familiar with but also what it is that they what they like like what they actually enjoy hearing the most out of something and i think that's where the voice emerges like your signature sound essentially Mm -hmm. it's a combination of of what you like with what you're familiar with i would say so what did i cover oh yeah the gladiator pads Um, real quick, I got this thing going up here. Just like from Only in a Dream, just the square arpeggio or the square operator pluck. And then tubular bells. This is a, um, I think this is actually a sample from a really old Logic EXS24 pack that I imported into, uh, into, into here. I've been using it for, you know, over a decade at this point, And I just love the sound of tubular bells. It's like impacts. Uh, and then we got down here, we got a, uh, Man, that was such a fun arc to make. So this is a preset that I made. It's, I, I tried to emulate like what I thought the ultimate guitar sound was like, not too cheesy, not too like noisy or messy, just something that's like right in the middle, something that sounds like like guitar. And it's mostly from the amp. I mean, without the amp, oh, sorry, the amp and the cab. I'm using a PWM wave and some bandpass filtering with an LFO. So it kind of has that evolving, almost like um, like wah filter effect. And then once you amp it, it's going to be kind of harsh. But then throw the cab on it, and then it sounds like, you know, it sounds like a thing in the real world now. A little bit more. And this ARP is just... It's following the chord progressions, uh, but I'm adding a lot of what are they called? I'm adding a lot of extensions in the chords. Like if these were, if this was a chord, it would just be like. But yeah, I'm pretty much just going through the scale of each chord, just going all the way up and then down. And basically, what I do is how I make this. So this is all sixteenth notes. I'll just go all the way up until I hit the bar line, and then I will select all these, duplicate it out, and then hit 
reverse and then it'll bring it back down and that's just a fast way to do that and then if i have like some transitional if i have some passing chords then i'll change the notes where the the chord progression changes so it so it fits i do most of this by ear but like this this last this last phrase right here if i combine the chords let me extend this out a little bit you'll hear what i'm talking about like these last notes are different than these. This is the, this is the, the sixth chord, and that's that's the that's the the sixth scale degree of the. Or, sorry, yeah, this is the the root of that chord, the sixth chord, and then it ends on the. 7 chord because as you can see up in here it goes from 6 7 and then 1 which then drops down to I wanted to give it that harmonic minor half diminished effect because this is the major five chord or the the harmonic harmonic minor dominant chord whatever you want to call it and I just thought these notes appropriate for that it gives it that like it's like ominous yeah ominous like more cinematic orchestral classical vibe to it i don't like to use it often but when i do it's like just occasional and uh, like here and there it just gives it that little taste especially when it's like preparing for the rise which is the next part it's just it there's so much tension to move to that tonic and nothing better than a dominant five chord. For the basses down here, oh wait, real quick, I wanna, this lead. This is the same melody that's going on in this operator, except this is a cool diva preset that I modified called XS MIDI Translead, I believe it's called, MIDI Translead. It's really cool, I love it. And just a little bit of processing EQ and reverb. Yep, more hammer for bass. And I am using a, I'm using just a low pass filter. So here's what I'm doing with this bass. This is probably the cleanest super solve pluck bass that you can make. How I do this is, first of all, because Harmer is an additive synth, you can do pretty extreme filtering, filter enveloping, and you're not going to get any detuning because it's not going to change. There's no phase rotation in the filters because they're not audio filters. They're just, they're spectral filters. It's just math. So you can do like really steep plucks and have it be perfectly in tune. But what I'm doing here, as you can see, this isn't actually a saw wave. This is basically a sawtooth wave with the fundamental removed. And what I do is if you right click or if you click on this, you can actually see the full spectrum. Right now, it's just a flat line because all of the harmonics, except if you zoom into the very beginning, you can see right here, if you look up in this, this little info box right there, if I hover my mouse over it, you can see what harmonic it is. So that's the first harmonic. That's the fundamental. That's removed. That's completely, I completely removed that. The second harmonic is also completely removed, but the, actually, the second harmonic is a, a little bit present. I have it ramped up so that by the third harmonic, you could see in the spectrum over here. You can't actually see the fundamental, but you can hear if I bypass this B part, there's no, there's no fundamental. And the reason why I do that is because when you add unison and detune it slightly, you're going to get an unstable sub. It's just going to be random and phasey. So we cut that out. And then what I have for B is basically the same exact thing, but inverted, which in this case is practically just a sine wave without any unison. Thank you. 
you get the perfect plug. Yeah, the sub is, it's just a perfect, it's just a super solid sub. And then there's no pitch deviation because of phasing issues, which is great. That's why I love Harmer for bass, particularly. In terms of Harmer, I saw that you had, is there any way, anything like alternative that you were using prior to that, that you thought was like kind of cutting it close or were you just like night and day with Harmer? Cause I know it's for some people that can't get it on their. So I would say the alternative to Harmer, you could use, you can use Razor. Razor is really similar. The only issue with Razor is for doing something like this, you're going to probably need to, if you want to do unison, you can do unison in Razor. It's a different kind of unison though. It's actually a spectral unison, which is different than Harmer. Harmer's unison is like an analog unison because it processes the signal after it's already converted to audio and then just revoices that with different detunings. Razor's unison is actually spectral, so it sounds different. It doesn't sound as thick and warm. You could probably totally get away with it though, just by using like, like Serum Effects Hyperdimension and make, create like a fake unison. The only other, the only other issue with Razor for really low basses is it doesn't have as much of a high-end extension as Harmer does because it doesn't have as, it doesn't utilize as many sine wave partials. However, you can totally hack that. I actually do have a, you may have seen it, the Razor hack tutorial. You can get unlimited partials. So that's that shouldn't be an issue anymore because that's free info. If you don't have Razor, but if you have like the full version of Reactor, there's also another plugin called Laser Base. It's like a precursor to Razor and Harmer. You can get very similar effects, but yeah, it's got periodic filters and because it's all additive, you're going to get super clean filtering sounds without any pitch deviation. So yeah, I would say those two. I can't really think of any other one. You can also create a linear phase pluck in Serum by resampling a regular filtered pluck into a wavetable and then resetting the phases so that you don't have phase drift. But that's that's a whole other thing and that has its own issues. But I would say the closest thing to Harmer, if you can't get Harmer, is Razor. Equally awesome of a synth, I think. Cool, moving on. What is this effect? Yep, that's another motion pulse effect. Uh, yeah, motion pulse, it's awesome. I like the sense of space that one creates. Am I doing any processing to it? A little bit of EQ. So yeah, that's that. Let's see what we got here. Start from the top, actually. So I have these China crashes. Perk. Yep. So this is where the drums really start to come in. There is a lot of stuff going on on this drum rack. You don't say. So for the kicks, I'm using kick two, which I covered before. It's pretty awesome. And yeah, just pretty much just making my own shape. And for the click, there's this artist who makes some really, really dope bass music who goes by Famous Spear. He's probably one of my favorite dubstep artists in the game. His stuff is just so clean and futuristic and huge. I took like probably like a 30 millisecond clip of one of his songs and snagged the transient just because it's so good. I use that as a layer, so. <laughs> Pay the man. <laughs> <laughs> you should check him out he's amazing cool point proven so this next yeah this next thing so the snare i'm using kick two as well and i have actually the snare from blue i have in here with just a, it just adds a little little bit of noise dude it's such a relic and then i have this other one called daka norsha snare i won't explain the name but it's a combination of two songs of mine it's a combination of two snares from two different songs of mine that just blend together really well sounds like that and then just those layered together it's, it's just pretty nice moving moving forward i have rise a rise from my song virgo and i'm just stretching that out and using texture i use this in almost every song and modify it in some way 
it's just a nice tonal rise. Tubular bells. And now here's where the basses start start creeping in. <laughs> so this bass actually this is a wavetable from a sound that I made a long time ago. It was in a stem from my song Dream of Love, and I just resampled it and just modified some stuff. I mean, without, the, let's see, without the filter. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff going on in this sound. A lot of it's also bypassed too, but pretty much sounds like this. And then EQ filter compression. And then this is the same thing except squarified. I'm just mixing it in. I'm just mixing it in 50/50. So I'm getting some odd harmonics. It gives it a little bit more of like a smoother, hollower sound. Filter. I don't know why I'm using the add bass filter, but it's basically just a peak filter. And then EQ8 to kind of get some of the mids back in. What even is this stuff? That's not even being Salty used. Salty macro. Yeah, um, this is. This actually looks like all this stuff is turned off. I'm not even using any of this. Now that I'm re now I'm looking at it, so this whole thing could probably just go. Yeah, it's identical. It's not doing anything. Then midside OTT. That's the first bass. I knew that I wanted something like organic and growly, but also like like really techy and futuristic. So yeah, when the drop hits, I'll I'll get to what else I'm doing there. So this sound. Oh, this is a cool one. This is where I'm using. Uh... So this sound without any processing or effects on it is pretty much just. Is that the high 12 there, giving it that kind of... So this wavetable, actually, it's a dispersion table. This is actually included in the Serum Masterclass. I resampled these from Harmer, and they're great because it's like if you could automate disperser, gradually increasing the dispersion amount, and then also have the reverse of that on the other side of the wave. So in the very in the very middle of this wave, it's just a regular saw wave. And it's great because you can just introduce just thickness and modulate the amount of thickness depending on the wavetable position. So like, I know this is hard to hear, but like, you can hear in different positions has a different kind of like glossiness. This high filter is just kind of like giving it that like vocally sweep. Throw these things back on. Here we go. So if I bring this, yeah, you can hear that it's like a little stiffer sounding in the beginning, in the middle. And juicier on the edges. And then the sub. And then this is where the fun stuff happens. I love taking auto pan and just automating the amount for like just little bits. Like in this case, it's just the, be the beginning. It's like, and then with erosion, automate the erosion up, boost some top end. Now it's starting to sound good. Overdrive, auto dynamic EQ. It's just for, there's like a little click right there. It's kind of killing it. This fat rack, I didn't make that. I'm not going to talk about that. It's just, it enhances things a little bit. And then mid-side OTT, I think that comes in at the drop. Then I think these are the only two sounds that I'm really teasing in. Oh, then it's next. This is a sound from, honestly, I could not tell you what this is from. I think it may be something, I think it may be this first growl sound. Resampled. Sounds like it was yeah, brought up in pitch a little bit. Yeah. What's going on here? Couldn't tell you where it's from. That sounds like <laughs> some bass that's inside your drop somewhere. Oh, it's probably from this thing. So this is a beast. This is phase plant. 
a lot of stuff going on in here. I'm gonna just go through this with 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 everything off so we can hear what it actually sounds like in the beginning. Honestly, that's the thing. It's like I wish I I wish I remembered what like what my thought process was in starting out these sounds, but it's such a flow, especially with the phase plan. I think it was just like messing around with stuff. So okay, phase plan. <laughs> It already sounds awesome right outside of Faceplant. And yeah, Faceplant's amazing. What's going on here? Let me bypass this. So this is what it sounds like with pretty much no effects. This is just macros. The cool thing about Faceplant is you can import wavetables from like Serum. So that's what I did. So I had this wavetable called Icarus Spectral and it was a uh, it was just resampled from the synth Icarus. It does some pretty cool weird stuff. And then what is actually being modulated? Obviously the wavetable position is being modulated. The pitch is being modulated doing a little envelope sweep. It would be in here. Yeah, it would be. I think I decided not to use those. So yeah, I think this is just modulating the uh, the wavetable. The wavetable frame amount. Yeah. And then I added the faturator and then some comb filters. So just with the faturator. Then you add the comb filters tuned to your note. So basically this is cool. You have a note modulator. So it's key track, basically it's key track modulator. And you just modulate, or you just uh, modulate that to the frequency of a comb filter. You, you get that tonal delay perfectly tuned. You don't have to type in 325 hertz like in Serum. It's just perfectly tuned to your note. That's what it sounds like out of phase plant. I had a three band crossover and I'm using morph for the mid band. You're not actually hearing... Ah, oh, you know, that's actually a mistake that I did. I meant to put chords here, but I didn't. So it's actually just the mid-band is kind of just producing noise, but that's okay. It's kind of just filler. Uh, this EQ8. Brightening it up. Mid-side OTT. Thickening it. Taming it. Cutting out some junk in there. I don't know why. And then here's a fat rack that I made, which consists of... Uh, OTT, just a little bit, very short reverb, some disperser, an EQ to cut out some harshness, multiband saturator, and then a lot of these parameters are mapped to just like the fatness, so. So yeah, it's just really convenient to just like toss on. It's, it's fun to make fat racks. It's just something that you just toss on kind of cool sounds and just like soup them up. It's kind of like what OTT does, but just just more with some with some more spice, just more more character. Sorry, OTT. <laughs> and I, th I think the next section is just going to be the drop. Yeah. All right. So let's talk about this. So this, this I have this uh, this arp, which is just the guitar arp as from before. That little meaty trance lead going there, and the bass though. Where is the bass? Here it is. Oh yeah, we didn't talk about this one yet. Cool. Well, let's talk about it now. This bass almost killed me. Not literally, but. <laughs> Well, it killed everybody else. <laughs> <laughs> this was really tough to get right. As you can see, a lot of different instruments. I tried phase plant, which I, you know, I, I use some phase plant, use Harmer, and I tried some op operator and I tried some razor. And then I decided a combination of all of them kind of actually sounds the best. <laughs> so the first thing that I started out with sounds like... Yes, the first thing that I started out with was actually this. The gritty Reese. So what I'm doing is it's a detuned saw. 
it's kind of messy, but it's also kind of unique. I want to just explain what my process was. This was probably my second time actually ever using phase plant. I'm not going to deconstruct this just because I don't want to ruin the sound. I just want to kind of explain what my process was. So the cool thing about phase plant is you can pretty much route anything to anything and you can do audio rate modulation to other oscillators parameters. So I have this uh, detuned analog saw here. Nothing, nothing really special. Just two voices detuned, fully spread. But then I have a noise oscillator. And what's hap what's going on here is it's just white noise. I have it set to stable so every time that I hit a note it plays the same it starts the white noise at the, it's almost like a white noise sample at that point it just stays the same just for consistency and then what I did was I distorted them together with a little bit of bias I used overdrive and then what I did was I filtered it with a low pass so I start out with that add some noise distort them the bias really goes a long way this thing is so cool that prominent but you can really like like harden things up and get them really gritty so what's going on with this filter though is i'm using this down here so you're, we're not actually we're not actually hearing this because there's no out this is just a i'm just using this sine wave as a modulator and i am modulating the filter cutoff so i'm doing this is basically filter fm and you can do this with different kind of shapes like Kind of hard to hear the difference in this case and then at the bottom i have just a separate sub going direct out i also have these effects here slice eq for some coloration resonator i don't know it's not doing anything and then just a um, high uh, high pass filter so to leave room for the sub then lane two is where the sub is going out so it's just a simple reese and i was like this is totally not going to cut it i tried like distorting it more and i was just thinking just some like nasty hard sounding reese would be it but i was like no i think this needs like a blast this needs to sound like a blaster because i mean imagine if it's if the if it dropped like this oh no <laughs> Don't take away that from me. Boo! It don't cut it. So that's when Blaster comes in. And this, this phase plant is the whole character of, of, he is the front man of the show. And it is a wave, it's pretty simple. It's really just a wavetable that's called Break Me, that's stock in phase plant. And I love it. And it sounds like this. It's just already a nice blaster off the bat. And then distort it some more distortion and a little bit of filter and that's that yeah, i love that it's almost like atonal yeah it yeah yeah it's got like it's very like um it's it's resonating that that flat seventh harmonic it's kind of like kind of sounds squarified but the top end still sounds like not squarey like it doesn't sound very digital i know what you mean yeah i, I love that it's it's so good it's a really cool sound and then I was like, it needs a little bit more atonality in the top end. So <laughs> this is when I layered Razor with it. It's really simple. I'm just using sync dissonance and then metal. So what that sounds like. So that's what sync dissonance does. Metal is cool because you can detune. You can basically stretch the harmonics out pretty extremely and you can quantize them. So when you distort them, they're still going to be harmonic to each other. It's not going to sound like noise. So when I distort it with the limiter. Sounds a lot better than... Much more stable. Combine those two. Just that extra top metallic screechiness. Yeah, basically these two combined with another operator, which I don't really... There's already sub in here, but I don't know. It works. 
One thing I notice is that it is absolutely redlining, like within the channel. But like, do you ever worry about that kind of stuff with that? Because I, or is it with Ableton? I notice there's like a 32-bit floating point, so it doesn't matter at that point, right? Like once you bring it all down. I guess theoretically, you could crank it so much that it exceeds the the headroom of 32 bits. But I think you need to go like plus 100 something dB for it to actually clip. Yeah, in the digital in the digital space. So effectively, you really don't have to worry about that. And if you're getting anything close to that, you're probably just doing something terribly wrong, like a stack of gains or just have some weird feedback loop going on. If you're clipping inside of Ableton and it's below 100 and however many, you're fine. You should be okay. Yeah, if you record something, if you set your settings in Ableton to 32-bit and you record something and you have it absolutely cranked, and, or let's say someone else sends you a 32-bit file and it looks like it's clipping, you can just bring down the volume and it will not be clipping anymore and it won't have like any of that like embedded in the sound. Yep. What kind of witchcraft is this? You can, re- so this is something that I recently discovered. I was like, why doesn't Ableton do it? It's like it processes with 32-bit float, but why can't I record stems in 32-bit? Why do I have to like turn everything down? Turns out this was set to 24 the whole time. And as soon as I set it to 32, I was like, wow, I can have stems that are like plus 12 dB and then just turn them all down. And it sounds great. No clipping. Dude, I feel like I've cheated of a childhood not knowing that. I think the only time that, like, I guess that solves it for me, but I was thinking the only time maybe that it would be an issue is that with using analog emulated plugins, those usually with the VU meters and everything, you want to be below zero dB. Otherwise, they react, like, terribly, but that's the only other time. And that's usually because they are emulating hardware, which would do that. Exactly. Yeah, which in a way is, you know, they're keeping it faithful to what's what's actually you know how it actually yeah i guess i don't know i use a lot of analog emulated stuff just because i like the coloration that it adds to and the depth i guess for like 3dness but it does become a pain when you're having to put like utilities before things just to like bring the volume down and then bring it back up yeah afterwards and stuff yeah the whole trim workflow yeah that's pretty much the sound you know is there any other sounds in here that we did not go over let's play it Oh yeah, also, this is just a really tiny little just sub, basically just a sine wave. And if you put that before your kick and just have nothing else there, it really makes the kick sound bigger. Like, if I take this out, it's like there's, it's missing something. You don't want to fill it up with with too much high end, but just having just that little bit of low end, just like the little bit of like, like even like a low pass kick, like can give it that the feeling that of, of like a shockwave approaching. And I, I really like that. The first time I heard that effect was actually in Xylent's remix of figure eight. He has it a little bit more prominent. He has an actual mid bass that kind of like go low passes into the next like big chord. And I'm just like, whoa, that sounds so huge just from doing that. And ever since then, I've always, you know, took that inspiration from that song. And I've also been hearing a lot of other artists do it too. And so I'm like, that's cool. It's a cool effect. I'm just going to play through this drop and I'm going to see if there's anything that I'm that is like worth like really going in on. And if you have any questions about how I made anything, please just shout it out. So here we go. There's something that sounds almost like a zip right before your like main bass comes in too. It's these, I think. Oh yeah. Yeah. So this is, this is a cool, this is a cool little sample. 
it's from a, I don't remember where I got the sample pack, but it's by Anemone. It's called Crunchy Clap, and I just reversed it. And then Space Debris. Let's see what it sounds like. This is actually from the effects stem from Urchin by Fractal. When I remixed that song, this was one of the effects stems, and this is what he used in the intro, and I just reversed it and found a cool little spot. When you are thinking about like, oh, maybe I could like add a little something here, do you usually go through your, your old stems to find stuff, or is it like, because it seems like a lot of your stuff, you're like, oh man, this is something from like years ago, and you just go dig into a crate, or is it... That's literally just me, control F, and then just typing in a random word, and then just going down and being like, ooh, <laughs> what is that? and then just right clicking it and being like whoa this was from like 2013 let's let's use it i have all my stuff archived all the way back to 2006 when i first got logic and thankfully it's i think it's like i'm so glad that i backed up and saved everything that i ever made because i don't know for one i'm pretty sentimental about that kind of stuff and two it's just really cool to like take stuff that's basically ancient history and repurpose it and even if it's just for like half a second i think that's i think it's a cool thing it's like there's a part of there's a deep part of history and even if people don't know it you're gonna know it and that's gonna give it every song that you make such more meaning i guess to you and people will know that now but maybe they'll connect to it more but it's that's really cool it's mostly a personal thing that i do and it's also just really convenient you know if you have a sound that works that you're like okay this is unrecognizable this is from you know the archives let's use it yeah but there's one sound that i it's it's like a boom impact that i've used i made it back in 2007 in a logic project i've been using it ever since would it be in like your elemental pack i know you got one in there i think i think it's the one in elemental i did i did process it a little bit but i wanted to talk about this thing this mid band with the morph this bass here is where i'm using morph with the chord if you listen to these so here's without the morph it sounds cool very lasery but with the morph you have the spirit of the chord in the bass. It's not doing anything to the low end and it's not doing anything to the high end. So it retains its texture, but yeah, when I automate the morph on, it's just such a cool effect. You can just play any chord and the bass still sounds like a bass and it's still bright and present, but it's like, you know, it's just incredible. It's, it's really cool. It's like the harmonics of the chord in the same like scale or key, but it's just like adds to the bass. I, I, you can like, you can subtly hear it. It's only just in there. It, it adds such a, a bit of depth, like perception of what you actually hear because you can hear with without it. It sounds like a really nice lasery bass and then it's soon as you layer it with the morph in there with the chord it almost sounds like it comes out a bit and just spreads yeah it does have stereo width in it too that's the cool thing about morph is like it's stereo as well this is different than automating the sound of a chord pad in because the sound of this chord pad like if i bring this up it's very fuzzy and it's it's full range and it's very static. When you use morph, you are taking the filter, the filter movement of the bass and imprinting it on the harmonic content of the chords or vice versa, you can think of it. And it really sounds like its own thing. It doesn't sound like two different things. It sounds like this is one sound. And that's uh, the reason why I have this up here is because I'm also using this on vocals too. In the verse two, I'll show you what, what I did with that. I do something similar and it's, it's pretty cool. I think I think it's might be time to move on to the next part of the drop because we covered all the bases, I believe. Oh yeah, this this little guy.
This is from Elemental, just doing a pitch transposition. It's called X-Tripping. Not referring to... (laughs) (laughs) The way I have it titled, X means atonal. So, not MDMA. Just to be clear. (laughs) The sound here is also from a bass stem from Energize. If If I bring this out, you'll be able to hear that it's just a really sped up version of the bass stem. But it's just enough of that like don't to introduce syncopation and kind of like it kind of functions musically as like a like a slap bass. It goes really well with the the bass that you have the auto pan LFO on as well. Kind of like flows into it. So I think this is a new sound. So what I actually have going on here, there's a Ubic G. Without that, you get a little bit less metallic of a sound. This is mostly phase plant. So this wavetable is actually from Razor that I, I imported from Razor number pitch bend. It sounds like, which is a pretty cool sound. And then add some noise to that. But the cool thing about this noise is I'm using, so I'm I'm starting with a sine wave and I'm also, this is also seconding as a sub because it's going out to lane two. But what you're not hearing directly, I add a distortion to this, I overdrive the sine wave. So it's kind of like a square, add some bias to it. And here, if I turn off these resonators, or if I turn off that resonator, it sounds like this. It's amplitude modulated. So I'm taking the output of this and modulating it with the level of the noise. So without it. But as they increase it, we get amplitude modulated tuned noise. And the, the coolest thing is the bias. Like this is really where it shines. Like it's such like a nice grit layer that you can just add to anything. It's just amplitude modulate wide noise. And sounds like it was behind your head almost for a little bit too. It kind of gives it a nice width. Really wide. I think that's what that sound was. Uh, and then Harmer layer. And I'm using square wave, EQing out a lot of the low end. And I'm using the phaser on harm mode, just classic phaser on harm mode. And I just have it as a static phaser. So change the offset a little bit, turn on the harmonizer. Oh, I don't have any effects on here. The distortion must be coming from something over here. Overdrive. Overdrive combined with this. And then the Ubic G. So what's going on with the Ubic G, this is really fun. I have the grain size pretty small. I think that's two, I actually don't know if that's milliseconds or not, but I'm just automating the scale. And you get this weird phasery metallic comey effect and then on my basses group tape stop crush 
and I wanted to get the effect of kind of like the this ethereal like artificial world which is like the basses kind of like sucking out of the picture and then his his vocal chop his voice coming back in it's like a hint of of reality a hint of like humanness coming back into this like artificial world and he really vibed with that when he heard it and he was like it coincided with his vision for the music video where he's in the real world climbing the sand dunes and then he's in the the artificial world where it's just like I don't really know specifically what the the whole backstory is but there's this dichotomy between like is this reality or is this an artificial projection and am I human or am I AI and I think that's such a cool theme and I think a lot of people are really vibing with that these days and really exploring like what it means because like man now that we have virtual reality and and artificial intelligence it's like the whole uh, concept of simulation theory I think is resonating hard for a lot of people I do like this particular part of the song because you have like the contrast plays so well with each other because you have these absolutely grimy bass lines that are hitting you right in the face and it's just like what like when you said when they kind of get sucked out and it's it's almost like the vocal kind of like put pushes through and it's almost like lighter it's almost like you're you're not in a sense like you drown like you're underwater and you just like come up for that one breath of air before you get like essentially forced back down into the nitty-gritty that is a great analogy yeah so it's it's and that's kind of like what a lot of bass music is about right it's like that that inhale exhale the tension release and that's the contrast that makes these sort of little snippets that much more impactful in the songs themselves than even listening to like the thought process behind them and like the feeling that you're trying to convey when you're making this when people listen to that and they it lets them connect much more to the song itself it's a little bit more than just like you know a production technique or like a you're telling a story yeah it's storytelling at that point (laughs) this is the cool part why you gotta do that to me yeah. All right. So the the downbeat, I pitched down, pitched down the vocal because I was like, all right, I want this to get like real in and real dark. Like, let's just go all out. And so I got this bass here. This is this is pretty cool. That was probably one of my favorite basses because it's not because it's like hard or anything, but just because it's like such a it's such a complex sound spectrally. Like when filtered. <laughs> The serum is pretty simple. So this is what I was referring to before. This is what happens when you take a saw wave and low pass filter it over time and then resample it and then use morph spectral zero all phases. You get phase symmetry. So basically there's no pitch drift or phase drift. So if you use this as a pluck, it's going to sound very in tune and it looks like that. It looks totally different. Is this what you got from Harmer? I don't know. I don't know if I got this from Harmer or not. I think I just resampled this from serum just used like a resonant low pass filter and saved it as a wavetable and just this was originally a preset called owl bass then i added some down sampling and got this so without that it's pretty much just a clean like it almost sounds like something you could have got with a operator by using the, at the envelope two oscillators one envelope kind of like comes in and get creates that kind of wowness i think i've actually seen you do that in either the school of bass or a previous episode you're talking about like getting that not the down sampling the the kind of like wow oh oh right 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 yeah you could do that with just two sine waves and then just amp modding the modulator get a pretty similar effect 
So yeah, downsample, multiband compress. I also have unison too, and oscillator two. I think is just introducing. This is the same as this, except squarified, same wavetable. But now we have this razor patch, which sounds really funny. Like just alone. It's the comb peak filter with a LFO on saw on the phase, so it just goes. Here's without the metal or the unison. It's basically just a saw wave with the comb peak filter on it. The metal though, using the stretch technique with the quantize, just gives it a different character. Unison noise. Actually sounds like it brings it up an octave. And then when you layer it with that and then do some low pass automation. Then saturate. I don't know. It was just a cool like thing because I didn't want it to go straight tonic. I didn't want it to go tonic on the downbeat because I wanted to subvert expectations a little bit, especially with the vocal repitching. This part. This main bass here. Some of you may already know from Instagram. Initially, this was kind of, I just had no limits. I just wanted to experiment and just see like what kind of cool new idea could I get by taking the prequel to this song, Only in a Dream, not even a stem of it, just the whole song, the mastered song. Actually, no, sorry, the pre-mastered of the song. It's PV1, it is the pre-master. Taking that drop, throwing it in here, retuning it, stretching it so it fits the BPM and just reversing it. So this right here. So if I take this and if I reset the transposition and then reverse this and drag it out, this is what it sounds like. <laughs> it's, the, it's the second drop of Only in a Dream. I, I feel like it's like only you could pull that off. Like, get <laughs> out of here. <laughs> I, it's, it's so cheap, but it's like, hey, with enough processing on it and some other layers, it sounds pretty cool. I mean, personally, I'm not even really that stoked of how it sounds. I think it sounds kind of messy, but people really seem to dig the sound of this, of this part. I think because it's just like really bold. It's also a wall of sound. And then I think it's unexpected from section a quote unquote and then they're expecting something to kind of like go with that and then it just you're kind of hyped up and then it just throws you for a loop because you just get like even deeper into the song i think that's where it really like shines i think so it subverts it subverts expectations on multiple levels like not just musically but also like my approach to it it's like i didn't expect to do something like this <laughs> myself only in a dream Processing I have, I'm using Soothe to cut out some some harsh harsh guys. This crossover is actually not doing anything. I was experimenting with using Morph with that chord, but didn't really cut it. I, I do a little bit of that in the next section, but I think that's a free sample. I'm using a multiband saturator just to make it even more noisy and more of a wall of sound. Really cranking that sub and then cutting out the sides and then mid-side OTT, and that's that's pretty much that. I do have two layers going on with this, though. This is one of the layers because this is just very fuzzy. It's huge, but it's fuzzy. And I know that I knew that it needed more of a top end. So something that I did was I took, oh, this is actually done with wavetable. 
So it sounds kind of messy. This original sample is from a sample pack from a long time ago. It's a sample pack by this artist named Mako. And no, it's not the vocalist Mako. This guy was made melodic neuro dubstep back in like 2011, 2012. And he is actually, he's not very well known. This last song that he ever did officially was a collab with Protostar released on Monster Cat called No Fire. It's amazing. You should check it out. He's a sound design wizard. Unfortunately, he stopped making music, bass music. But before he did that, he released a sample pack. And there's this one song that he has called Germination. When I first heard this song, I almost puked. Like I actually felt nauseous because the sound design was so visceral and it excited me so much. <laughs> it excited me so much. I actually had to pause it and then start it over and be like, okay, let's, let's do this again. I, this, I love the song so much, but this is, he actually took a snippet of the bass from that drop and it's just so gnarly and it sounds like this. Obviously, it's not that impressive, but the way he processes it, you, dude, you got to check out the song. It's amazing. It it has like this like this woody kind of vocally mouthy sound that it sounds like granular, but it sounds real. It's weird. And so I just threw that into Wavetable, and I was like, it needs some kind of grit like that. So this is, it kind of has that same that same tonality to it. And I just kind of scrubbed through the Wavetable and figured out like a, a, a good Wavetable position. I'm using Serum Effects to widen it out even more, I guess. Three band crossover, I'm vocoding the mid band to make it sound like more juicy. Uh, just using, just setting it to modulator. Mid side OTT, there we go. EQ8, and then some saturation. And then combined, it gives it that super wide, but like crispy, more phase coherent top end. And then this is a bass stem, bass design jam that I use morph with. I don't, I think it was like a ton of OTTs and vocoders and then I morphed it with something else. I really don't know, but I call it musical modem. And there's just, <laughs> it's just really fun, like little glitchy bits. What? That's so cool. And la I, I layered that together. It kind of adds, it kind of brings back the, like the technological cybernetic aspect to it. It's very subtle, but you can kind of hear, you can kind of hear it in the background. So yeah, that's pretty much that section. This Razor Scream table, this is an old, old sound originally from Follow You VIP. I made this, something that sounded like this. Yeah, it's a sound in the drop of Follow You VIP. I turned that into a wavetable and then repitched it. Just added like a, a fade. Yeah, just made it, you know, a little metallic stabby guy. Also, this is from Activate, this little bit right here. <laughs> Pretty much just not doing anything to it besides transposing it down one. When this progression changes, this is where I use the morph, I believe. This is where morph comes in. So the... So that's the sound of morphing those chords with the bass again. To be fair, there's nothing new in that section. It's all just the same stuff that I covered over here with just a couple more, a little bit of variations. And then this last part of the drop is not really, it's not really that complicated. It's pretty much like the main drop of Only in a Dream. We have one bass, which is just a distorted harmer and operator sub layer. The harmer isn't really doing anything special. 
I think I just randomly drew in the harmonic phases. Looks like it's randomly drew, I drew it in, yeah. Harmonizer. Some unison, so. But I wanted, I kind of wanted that messiness. And then Serum Effects, I don't think is actually doing much. Yep, it's just adding more width, I guess. And then High Pass. And then just a Operator, Sine Wave Sub. But, like, it doesn't really sound that good. But with the chords, it sounds pretty full. And these chords is a new technique that, I, that, I've, been, that I've been using. So, right here. We got the Gladiator chords from before, but on top of that, I'm also using a different chord voicing. I'm using Wavetable. But here's the thing, I'm not using regular unison, I'm using noise unison. So classic unison sound, would sound like this. Definitely has a detune, detune kind of phasey sound, but noise though. It's it's like it's this it's like the spirit mode in Gladiator if you set it to white noise. I, I've been looking for this everywhere because I couldn't shell out the money for Gladiator to get that. Dude, yeah, you could just make it in here. Like, if I change the amount, you can really hear how dramatic you can get it. swarm of angry bees i love that yeah that's <laughs> actually one of my particularly favorite things about your chords in general when you or like your saw stacks and like i know it was really nice in the when you had it in the school of bass you're showing how that could be achieved oh it's i was like man I, I wish i could get that like it's just like such a good tonality in a saw stack yeah i mean the operator method the operator method kind of cuts it but it's really hard to get it right this just does it automatically i mean i think yeah even with two voices But yeah, so there you go. We'll combine these two. And then add the bass back in. The tubular bells. The square arp. And these vocals, how I'm processing these vocals now, this is where, oh yeah, the exciter is on, I guess it's the same as before on this part. However, how I got these vocals to really cut through, I put a track spacer on the sidechain bus to the vocals, so. subtle but it's enough for the vocals to stay to have clarity throughout yeah trackspace is amazing for that yeah it is like a game changer if you're especially for like i was gonna ask you have a such a dense mix because there's so many elements all playing together so like getting something like a vocal which is like mid high to like high heavy and it's just like gonna get eaten unless you put something like that on it did you know that you can do that with soothe if you have soothe yeah you can sidechain now and it's 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 really precise like it's more precise than track spacer however 
that said you don't really if you're you making space you don't really need to have like you know super thin bands that are being cut out to make space but you can if you want to and you can get some cool effects using soothe i mean just make sure you have your oversampling up so you don't get artifacts but no aliasing i was gonna ask you for a question about that what do you refine that you have like struggles with that having such so many elements in a mix like that like very dense you have a lot of things that are competing for each other like what i guess like what kind of tactics do you use in terms of like tame that so that everything kind of because everything does seem to have its own space the vocals always cut through obviously like side chaining with your kick and your snare that's like cutting everything out things in t- that are like fighting i guess in terms of like in the mono more mono sec area of the songs and like then you have your synths that are super wide like do you ever find like you have a lot of trouble with that like come mix time or that is it it, it definitely is a tough thing because i mean even this section it's it looks like it's pretty minimal there's not much going on everything is kind of fighting for the forefront I guess it just kind of gets chopped down to stylistic choices and you're going to sacrifice certain things. I guess that's it. It's 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 learning to be okay with sacrificing certain things like the mids in this in these chords. Obviously that sounds much more wholesome than solo. It doesn't make sense to and but in reality really what i'm getting out of these chords is more the top end and less of the vocally mid-range so that's why i have these cut i mean it's that's just one example it's not really gonna make that much of a difference if i bypass it but it's a lot of those things just added up that make the difference it's i think one thing is like with eq masking it's probably the biggest thing eq masking and uh using limiters and sometimes clippers to just make sure that you're not removing headroom from more important elements but is to kind of prioritize what are the most important sounds that you want to function in the forefront like chords they don't if there's a vocal going on they shouldn't be front and center they should be kind of off to the side they should be like like the choir supporting the front man and same with same with basses too i would say if you have basses with heavy mid basses with vocals you're gonna have to sacrifice something in order for if, if you want the vocals to be prominent you're, you're gonna have to sacrifice something and that's that's just the reality of it and we just talked about it but track spacer and side chaining with soothe are they're game changers um and it's really awesome that we have those plugins today because it's like you can make it super transparent and you're like wait how is all this stuff stacking up simultaneously and i can still hear everything and it's also sound selection too like sounds that are like very chorusy versus sounds that are very noisy versus sounds that are like dry and harsh versus sounds that are like juicy and thick. You don't really want any of those categories to, you don't want multiple sounds that are in one of those categories. You kind of, if you're going to have multiple sounds, you kind of want them to be separate in those textural categories. Cause we were just talking about like the, the spectral or I guess the, the timbral aspect of it, but like the, the movement and the texture, which is where like the, the phase characteristics of sound really comes in and if you can identify what sounds if you can identify the textures of the sounds and categorize them that's just another level of prioritization and categorization that you can use to ensure that you're not getting conflicting textures as well as conflicting timbres we're okay so we're pretty much halfway done yeah pretty much covered how all the instruments work and then the rest i'm just gonna kind of go through this midsection here proceeding Oh yeah, also these breaks here. Uh, Originally, I was just gonna have it go out of the drop into the verse, just like going from like, let's see if I could pull it off.
But after a three part drop like that, there needs breathing room. Even if there's like an instrumental part, before it went into the harmonic part like this, where the chord progression reestablishes, we needed a two part break. It just did not sound right without that. And sometimes that's okay to do, to just to break the, I guess, metric symmetry, you know, to break the multiple of four. Sometimes you need those breaks and, and that's okay to do. If it was one bar, probably wouldn't work, but two bars, you're probably safe. It just needed that to like, cool the energy. Back in this, this section with nitric stems. So we got some cool stuff going on here. I have these reverse, this reverse bell layer, which is just a super stretched out and reversed clip. I don't even, I don't even recall what this is from. Stretch it out, reverse it, and you just get this cool ambience layer that's that fits in with the song. Very dreamy layer. Uh, and this part is just supposed to be just super, super chill and dreamy until the, the second part of the verse where it's just like emotionally impactful. Let's see what this wavetable is doing. Oh yeah, these are also the, the, the noise chords too. The uh, action strikes, ooh, huge impact. Yeah. Yeah, this opens up, the filter opens up on this. And I have, there's something else going on here. Yeah, this is where the, the only time my strings come in. It's probably my favorite part, besides, you know, heavy drops. It's just, uh, it's one of my favorite, like, emotional parts of a song that I've made in, in a very long time, I think. So this part, check this out. This, these vocals here. I've seen a lot of comments where people are, like, mentioning, like, I've heard people say that that bass really blends well with the vocal. And that's because I'm actually morphing the vocal with this. So this serum patch, going back to this, this isn't actually just a regular detuned saw wave. This is the dispersed saw wave. So with those low notes, you can't hear it in the, t in the high notes, but if I play like really low note, it's, it sounds very dispersed. It has like that glossy, like laseriness to it. I am using the morph on the, yeah, so I'm doing something kind of crazy here with this mill scale thing. I'll explain in a bit, but yeah, it's just the morph.
just sounds so cool. So this, for some reason, I couldn't really get them to, I couldn't really get the morphed part to like be super steady. So I did this really kind of dumb thing. I created a Mel scale OTT. <laughs> and what Mel scale is, it's a frequency scale like linear or logarithmic, but it is based off of, it's not mathematical, it's based off of human perception. And there's this plugin called Newfangled Equivocate, which is an EQ that you can basically, it has a filter bank in it where you can boost and cut gains of bands that are divided in the male scales. So this is a perceptive pitch distribution. That's what the male scale is. Like, I, I don't really know how to describe it any better than that. I made this a long time ago and never really found a use for it. I'm like, maybe I'll need an OTT that has a more of a like a perceptively divided frequency spectrum and so that's where this comes in as you can see it's kind of arbitrary it's like 20k at the top yeah 11k 5.9k 3k 1.4k 531 and zero but if you listen to these separately they all sound like they kind of take up the same frequencies space but in evenly distributed ranges and that's just a psychoacoustic it's basically just a psychoacoustic multiband compressor that's what that is and i use that i don't i really don't know if it was necessary but i use that to make that the morphed vocal just sound really present and i, th I think kind of works and then after that it goes back into the chords So that's that and then the next part is kind of i mean it's it's mostly just a copy paste i'm gonna be honest i nothing i tried other things i have this oh man i don't know if i want to play what i think this is <laughs> in the scrapyard i'm gonna play it i have no idea what it's gonna sound like Okay, so this was kind of a sketch pile of me trying to figure out if I can combine the middle drop of the first drop with the first part of the first drop. Didn't really think that worked out too well. And then I think I tried like a four on the floor thing and I'm like... Just some other bass. Yeah, that's, that's just... It just didn't cut it. So I decided to do a copy paste and then do kind of like a fake out drop, but like make that blaster sound just like really intense. And how I did that was, so this was the rendered bass stem from the first part with Ubic G. I'm changing the, the frequency, I'm actually inverting the scale. So without it, it just sounds like the first one. And then I combine that with the Razor Scream table that we talked about earlier. This scream table I've also been using in a lot of songs. I've used it in Infinite Wings, I've used it in Stargate, Follow You, VIP, and now this one. So it's come a long way. And then combined with the Ubic G, it's just such a like brutal scream layer. 
It gives it good movement for sure. It kind of just. It's a variation of this. As you can see, this is a rendered bass stem, and my workflow is pretty much just like, let's just work with audio, because CPU is not having a good time if I add anything else. It's cool though, because then I could just like, transpose a couple different things, like this sound. It was originally this. It followed the original progression, but I wanted it to follow, instead of like a 6-7-1 progression, I wanted it to be a 3-4-1 progression, so just transpose it up seven semitones and then tune the grain size so it matches the pitch. This is such a finicky thing. I wish this grain size was not such an arbitrary number because it would be really nice to just conveniently be like, or like like hertz, or yeah, if it was in hertz or if it was like even milliseconds would be a little more forgiving, but gotta do it by ear because if it's a little bit off, it's like, and that takes a lot of time. But um, I mean, everything else is pretty much the same as the first drop. I don't know. I, I, I think if I would have done something differently, it would have been probably do introduce another sound in this middle section and maybe do another fake out drop in the middle section. I don't know. I think I, I personally feel like it's a little bit tiring near the end, but we're already going over the 100% mark with like all of the stuff we're doing. So it's just like, why not? Let's just make another six and a half minute long thing. It, it is long. I think I think you did make the right choice though because it's i think people would have um that like the first drop is just so good it's so good like changing it up even more like just for the sake of like trying to stay creative and and whatnot like i don't know maybe it might have not been as well received in that sort of sense you know what i mean like yeah it's there's so much variation in that first drop it just it's enough to like continue on and then with that people are already like connected to that first drop and, the, and then they can connect to the second drop even more because they know what's kind of kind of coming even though there is a little bit of variation in there i totally agree with you the compulsion to to not do a copy paste kind of thing is very real especially with that idea especially in the in, in the producer community is kind of like controversial but it's kind of it's hard to do this but if you can take a step back and see and ask yourself does this really need to have anything new is it really calling for anything new then and if the answer is no then you may as well just do the copy paste drop that 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 just musically it just makes more sense for the composition as a whole and there are a lot of songs where, that i've heard and I, I i'd say that some of mine do that too like there's a variate like a very like a completely different or like heavily var varied second drop just for the sake of it not sounding like the first drop and it's kind of pointless what's up donation did you enjoy that did you learn a lot? First off, if you like this episode, please hit that like button. Please hit the subscribe button. Please leave a comment down below. We would love to hear from you. In fact, we want to keep making this series better. So if there's things that we can do to make the series better, please comment below. We'd love to hear from you. If there's things in this episode that really resonated with you, please comment below because then we can talk about more of those things in the future. Or if you have suggestions on who you want to come on In The Doc, we would love to hear from that as well. So go ahead and comment below. We'd love to hear about those things. Now, like I mentioned in the beginning, this week's episode of In The Dot is sponsored by the Serum Masterclass. Man, if you wanna learn every single thing inside of Serum, 
from someone who actually knows what they're talking about from AU5, right? He's gonna explain everything, every knob, every button, every menu, every everything. No stone is unturned. You wanna learn every single thing inside of Serum and truly make it a tool for you to be able to create whatever you want, do crazy things. If you want that, if you want that confidence with Serum, then the Serum Masterclass is for you. We also talk about a bunch of advanced techniques. There's a bunch of bonuses with it. Oh my goodness, there's so much that you can do with this Masterclass, all right? So if you want it, that's beautiful. Go ahead, click the link in the description right now. It'll take you to the Serum Masterclass. Also, you can just head on over to dawnation.net and check it out over there. It's absolutely beautiful. Also, if you're interested, not only in the technical side of music production, but the emotional, philosophical, and business side of music, you should totally check out our series called Behind the Daw. All right, that focuses more on those subjects, not necessarily the technical side, but the emotional, philosophical, business side. We have a series called Behind the Daw. Now you can find that over here on the Daw Nation YouTube channel or on the Daw Nation podcast if you're listening through the podcast right now. So you can find that over there. The purple episodes are behind the Daw, green episodes are in the Daw, very easy to see. But if you're interested in that, you can find those over there. But Daw Nation, with all that said, with all that out of the way, thank you so much for coming through and checking out this week's episode of In the Daw. And we'd highly encourage you to come back for our next episode of In the Daw or Behind the Daw. We'd love to see you over there. So go ahead again, go ahead and make sure to subscribe so that you know when we put out new episodes or follow or whatever is appropriate on the particular platform that you're listening on, okay? So with that being said, Don Nation, we love you. Thank you so much for coming through and we'll see you on our next episode.